The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanjuro. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew. Hello again. Yeah, welcome back. Your second time joining us as a regular uh, participant in uh, we're we're having a lot of fun here, and we're we're looking forward to our topics tonight, which we'll jump right into. Why not? Why not do that? Uh, our first topic is I call it the recommendation bubble, and what this is is, and it, I think it's something we've all encountered by now, and it's been around for a while, but it's sort of bubbled up to the surface. No pun intended. So bubbled up to the surface again for me recently. Uh, I, I've been using the website Quora Q U O R A dot com Quora dot com. It's a question and answer website where people post questions about random things or uh, sometimes I, I think Cora gets people to post rather banal questions sometimes. <laughs> That's a yeah. whole other topic. <laughs> but uh, and, and then and then they ask people to answer them and uh, and users will say, oh, I'm a expert in these areas. And so ask me questions about these things. And. I like to I, I answer a lot of questions from a Catholic point of view and also from doing some tech stuff. Uh, I answer some tech questions where I where I have the ability to. Uh, I answer a lot of Catholic questions, which is kind of fun. And I like to read it, too. And I've got some interest areas. I, I have wide ranging interests. You know, I read about uh, I like airplanes. I like sci fi, you know, certain books and things. But there's so many different things. And once in a while, I'll click on a random question is like, wow, that's an odd question, or I'm, I'm kind of curious how someone would answer that. And that's where the problem begins, which is Cora punishes you for your curiosity. And Cora's not alone in this. And I, I, I will talk about other ones who do this too. But if the algorithm is set that, oh, you're interested in, in this? Oh, let me show you more of that and a lot more of that and keep showing this to you. And Oh, you didn't realize I was showing you more of this, and you've kept clicking, kept click, uh, clicking on these, and now my feed is all entirely none, none of the things I actually want to read about, but all this other stuff. Like I was just curious. I'm not. So, <laughs> does this sound familiar to to, to you guys on this? Uh, have you experienced this in Cora or elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's one of those things. It's one of those hazards of the algorithms taking over and uh, trying to kind of predict where we want to go next. And I I, I liken it to the uh, the overexcited puppy dog, where uh, <laughs> you know suddenly you've got you got this new toy that you're playing with with them, and now oh, I'm gonna go get that one. I'm gonna go get that toy. I'm gonna go bring that toy back, and it just it just won't stop, you know. <laughs> right. Like, Come on, right. <laughs> Let's right. go back to the way things were. <laughs> I gather they're trying to they're trying to make the the site more attractive to us, so that we don't have to constantly go hunt down things. It's not like an encyclopedia where you have to constantly. Is there something new that I'm interested in? Let me you know page the categories and dig down. No, it, it's supposed to bubble it up for you and make it more attractive and sticky. It's it's kind of a problem because I. I I appreciate you trying to give me stuff I'm interested in, but I you're doing it badly. I feel like it's sort of a Pandora's box almost that I I've noticed it. I I've actually had not had a whole lot of experience with Cora at all, but I've seen it more often in my in my Facebook feed, where I'm a I'm a fan of of you know Marvel and DC and and these sorts of things, but. Um, recently I actually had to just kind of mute one of the, one of the suggestions that it kept popping up with because it was, it was one of the, one of the actors involved in those worlds. And it was sort of his personal page and promoting kind of his, his boyfriend, LGBTQ kind of stuff. And I was just like, you know, I like, I like the shows. I like, you know, the, the comic book heroes and all of that, but I don't, I don't really want the, the stuff that it's thinking that I want to see more of. And so, like, like you know, with Pandora's box, there's 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 an element of good in there, but there's also a lot of just potentially hazardous stuff that is out there. And especially if you're 
if you're not careful or if you're uninformed or if you're, you know, uh, a young person who's who's just kind of, you know, stepping out into this larger world, it can be quite dangerous. Yeah, I, I had a similar issue with like Apple News, especially when it first started, where it does this recommendation engine thing. And I would I was constantly being bombarded with like, oh, you're interested in sci fi. Here's entertainment gossip news like, i don't care how do i where's the button to say i don't care don't ever show me this ever again uh ne- never mind you know you have these big news sites like uh cnn or fox or uh, msnbc all of them do it where if you put install their app on your phone and you allow them to send you breaking news uh, i'm sorry breaking news is not someone dating someone to be fair, it's it's not entirely the algorithm's fault, um, right? Because you know the, the algorithm is just picking up on on those meta tag cues that are being built, baked in everything. And I think there are some overzealous people that are like, "Oh, well, we can get everybody if we just tag this sci-fi and if we tag it, uh, you know, news and if we tag it, uh, and it, they just add like every tag they can, and then they get splatted on everything." And the algorithms really the big the big battle on the back end is to try and fight against that over tagging uh mentality and um uh, they google's done a little bit where they've started penalizing people uh in their uh search returns based on the number of tags that they put in so if they put in too much metadata then uh google's like ah no that's a little too much it's not specific enough for us it's going to move you down in the search results sort of like those instagram posts with uh, 700 hashtags Exactly. Yeah, it would be that would be immediately like, okay, it's a red flag. This person's trying to hit everyone, and maybe that's not such a great idea. Uh, so I, it's a it's a constant struggle though, because uh, as as a person who writes for this kind of stuff, uh, you know, you, you gotta you have to account for everything, and that's that's it's really hard to account for all humans. Because you can, right. You can pick you can pick groups, but then when you try and account for everybody, it gets really really difficult because you have to start thinking on this really cerebral high level and it's not easy to do and the the fact is is also another there's another uncomfortable fact which is the the reason people are the reason it's showing these things to people is because people are consuming it <laughs> i mean right. i i click yeah. on something out of you know curiosity i don't you know i don't curiosity that the headline is is well crafted enough to grab my attention or whatever uh, but other people are clicking on it, and so that's that's a, that's a fact: is that there are people who want this content, if I, even if I don't. Uh, and then there are other kinds of recommendation engines that we encounter all the time too. So, and, and the two that I I, I want to you know, pick on because they're they're for similar things, which is YouTube and Netflix, and they do it slightly differently from each other. YouTube relies on related content. Whereas Netflix relies on more of this algorithm, this discovery algorithm. Um, so, for example, with YouTube, once you're done watching a video, it offers other videos like this one you've just watched, which can be good if the content is good, but is very bad if the related content is just clickbait, thinly disguised with the right you know, tagging and that sort of thing. While Netflix... It tries to learn what you like based on what you've watched and some other stuff that they try to keep secret in their algorithm, but which a lot of people think has to do with uh, because they have such large amounts of data about what people watch. They can say, all right, you have watched these hundred things. Well, other people who have watched these hundred things also like this. And then they recommend stuff to you based on that. I found it to be okay with that with the youtube's related content that's actually been better because i i've watched you know i watch a video about star trek i want to i want to presumably i'll be interested in another video by someone else about star trek Uh, whereas with the youtube thing sometimes i i just look at why are you recommending this bizarre show to me (laughs) because other people who apparently have the same taste as i do also, like b- some bizarre show or something like that. Right. Well, or or like where you're looking for a show, and it's really hard to navigate Netflix by a search sometimes because you're getting oh, yes. returns based on that algorithm still. And uh, you're like, you know, somebody recommended something to you that you trust, and you're going to look for it. And it's like I don't know where this show is. I can't find it anywhere. And they're like, oh, it should be right on the top of your thing. But it's Netflix is totally different for them than it is for you. The interface is is fairly. 
It's pretty bad. The Netflix interface is pretty bad. Uh, I won't even get into the whole auto-playing trailer thing, which is... Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> a hassle. Uh, Father Andrew, do you have a, 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 a take on this the, the, the YouTube style versus the Netflix? And, and the others do it. Hulu and Amazon do it, too. Uh, although I think Amazon a little less to that that extent uh, on on where where that lands for you. Well, um, so there, I guess first of all, I I think when it comes to Netflix and YouTube, I was kind of thinking about this earlier that I watch content on them in the same way that I shop. That I'm very maybe stereotypically male in that <laughs> that I go there, I watch the one thing, and then I leave. Right. Um, you know, in the same way that I go to the grocery store, and I'm not just kind of browsing through every aisle. So I typically don't pay attention as much to the recommended videos or the um, the other things. And and I, I mentioned last week that I don't actually have a Netflix Netflix account, so I can't quite speak into that. But it, what it reminded me of was was also just in general Amazon.com, like the recommended like people with, you know, with this in, in your cart, people with similar things also were interested in these things. And at least from an Amazon perspective on on my end, I found that helpful because often like if I'm going to get a couple books, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was that third book that that Amazon is already recommending to me that I forgot about that I do want because I'm interested in these other two. And so I guess even when it comes to to video and media consumption, I, I don't necessarily mind that at all. I uh, I'm I'm definitely skeptical or nervous about where it could lead. So the YouTube things and, and being a sci-fi fan, we, we all know how that can lead down some pretty, pretty weird places. Yes. <laughs> you know, which is why I tr tend to take YouTube as a, I'm a one and done kind of thing. And, and I go back to what I'm doing. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate the idea, but I, I'm not entirely sure how, uh, how it should be implemented beyond what it is, I guess. There might be a generational element to this too, because as I'm I'm older than both of you guys, and I'm from the generation of sit on the couch with the clicker. Uh, actually, I'm even older. I was the clicker <laughs> for my older brother at one point, where he would go change the channel, go change the channel. But 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 now, but you know, of the generation where I, you know, you sit down in the cable box, in the clicker, and you 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 surf the channels and just to see what's on, see what's on. And I think that's a that is a a behavior that is more prevalent among a slightly older generation. I, I know that there are plenty of young people who sit on YouTube all day and just watch video after video. I, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I think there might be a bit of a generational thing. And one of the things that comes up too, though, is I've I've discovered um, for my priest friends is a little different from people like me or maybe like even Thomas. Whereas where I've got my wife is on the account and my kids. Oh my gosh, my recommendations oh, yeah. end up weird. <laughs> my wife in the comedy specials, uh, there's comedy specials on Netflix, and I'm just like, well, I, I know. <laughs> exactly. I don't, don't want to watch the comedy specials. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I've got, I've got a comedy special. I got, what I get is I get like Br British uh, uh, Regency style TV right. shows, <laughs> Dora the Explorer, and, you know, uh, <laughs> aliens or something. You know, and I'm like, this is, I'm in a file somewhere now. Somebody's got a file on me. Like, this oh, yeah. guy is weird. We need to watch this guy. <laughs> so confused. Like, the, the algorithm can't possibly pick what I like because there's no no consistency there. Right, right. It's funny, Dom. I think that you made a good point with the with the generational thing because I often, if I go home, my dad is the one who wants to just sit and channel surf. And, and it's always in my entire life driven me nuts that he'll go to a channel and start watching something. And when the when the commercials come on, he immediately, like, is looking for something else. And I am so terrified that we're going to miss the 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 comeback to the original show that it just drove me nuts. So <laughs> I, I I think perhaps you're right in that that that's, at least for for me and my generation I like I just want to like watch the show and you know DVR it or iTunes buy it and just kind of watch it and be be all self contained. My brother was the guy who would switch the the commercial would come on he'd start surfing and stop somewhere until the commercial came on there then go back. And now uh, we've missed part uh, of the show. Oh, uh, you're, no, no, you're no, missing no. like major plot points. <laughs> I, I had a tough childhood. Let me just tell you. I'm, I'm calling, <laughs> I, I, I want to know what they did with that wall that they're going to tear down and the drama behind the budget and everything. <laughs> exactly. Like, and this is the days when, you know, when you didn't have DVRs, like it was, it airs once and then you'll watch it maybe in the summer on the rerun and that's it. Oh man. Oh, I, I'm working on my issues here. 
<laughs> it's kind of nice now because my parents finally have uh, a high enough speed internet that that they have the DVR and they can they can pause things and you know, Dad and I can like pause the show and like talk about whatever we needed to talk about and then and then start the show again and then we can fast for, forward through all the commercials that we otherwise would have had to sit through right. sat through and watched. So one of the things I, wa- I wanted to kind of talk about is how do we how do we break out of this recommendation bubble? How do we is this something we can fix ourselves or is this something we need the tech companies to to do to to fix to come up with better recommendation tools to better AI or machine learning is the word of the day now. We don't call it AI because we're afraid that our Facebook feed will rise up and kill us with robots. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's totally different things, though. It really is. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's totally different things. <laughs> so, well, but, I, I, I like the precision in language there, uh, too, personally. But I, I think of course. It, it comes down to a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues that are wrapped up in this. First off, you have uh, how do we categorize things that we like? And, um, and this is a big struggle in a lot of the communities that I'm involved in, especially right now with a lot of the political talk that's going on in them, uh, just to give an example from the tabletop gaming community, uh, there is a lot of talk right now about inclusivity. And um, and it's good talk. It's good talk about uh, who we invite to the table and how we invite them to the table and who has a say in what the game is like. But it's also a lot of talk about that. And it can sometimes stray from the talk about the game to just talk about the politics. And it's hard to break those categories because as soon as you say, well, we're not going to talk about that because we're talking about the game, you've suddenly, you know, gone away from that idea of inclusivity again. You're saying, well, shut up. We need to just talk about the game. That's not what we're talking about right now. And that's, that's just as dangerous as not allowing the flow of that talk to happen. So there's the categorization issue. And then there's also like the, you know, well, what, how do you naturally bubble things up and not then say, well, you might be interested in these other categories that are just like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that the solution lies. I don't know if it lies on our side or on the tech side, but we've got to start really thinking about the way we're even thinking about this, too. Father Andrew, what do you think? Is, is this a combination? Is it something behaviors that we have to change to? Are we going to be forced out of the habit of, idle idly clicking on things and be more disciplined about our our surfing is that is that this part of the solution until the tech gets better well so i you, you're making a, an interesting point i would be very skeptical to want to rely on tech companies to do this for us because that that initially just kind of helps us be way more passive in our lives and in general um i mean and then i think of things like Facebook kind of curating the news for us. I don't want someone else to be in charge of what what content comes my way. But but I think you're you're striking at a, at a potentially a deeper issue here is that that just as a as a human person we want to um to 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 grow in virtue and to to be able to discern right and wrong and and all of those sorts of things. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. And so I would rather see this on our end of things where I'm looking at these things from a critical eye and, and discerning between the, between them, what's good, what's not good, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing rather than just, again, kind of passively receiving the content that supposedly some artificial intelligence has determined that this is what I need. Because again, one is one is very passive and not taking control of your own life. The other one is that I'm actually growing as a person. I'm I'm growing in my knowledge. I'm growing in in virtue as I'm discerning what's what's good and what's not good in these kind of situations. So I would rather see that fall completely. Well, I I don't want to say I wouldn't want to see tech take some role in it, but but I think the responsibility has to be with the individual. That's a good point. In fact, with so much of the way we use the various tools that are, we can't just keep saying, no, Facebook, you've got to fix yourself and be better and, and less interesting <laughs> that keeps, <laughs> to keep us, you know, addicted to you. Uh, the, the, the companies themselves have a goal, which is stickiness. They want us to stay there. They want us to keep surfing. That's why the Twitter is implementing the curated uh, feed and why Facebook has the curated feed because their aim is, is to keep us stay there so we keep seeing the ads and we don't go off and read a book or something or you know spend time with our family 
and it's they use it's not random. They have not only do they have very good machine learning, they have very good psychologists who know the the human psyche. And we've talked about this recently with the with the the, the Fortnite addiction that for for young young men especially are experiencing. And I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix has a team of industrial psychologists on their staff and Facebook and all of these other companies helping come up with these algorithms. And so it's, it does behoove us. I think you're right. We've got to become more disciplined in our own selves when to, when to put it down, when to turn it off so that we, we can, we can have a better life and we're not stuck in the loop. I think we also have to be aware of the fact that our profile is there. You know, they, these companies are profiling us. They are taking this information and they're, they're doing things with it. And I think we get in the trap of thinking about ourselves being anonymous online and like, oh, well, I'll just look at this thing because it's not really, you know, it's not showing up anywhere. I'm not really, my name's not attached to it, but your name's attached to it. It doesn't matter whether you think it is or not, that that IP address is being recorded, that all of the information about it is being logged. Uh, and unless you are incredibly, incredibly paranoid, uh, you are attached to that piece of information some way or another. So I, I want to move on to our second segment, by the way, because uh, it's a... <laughs> It's a little bit related about something addictive, <laughs> which is the I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of gaming. But uh, uh, I want to start by acknowledging this this significant anniversary that Father Andrew brought to my attention, which is that the Nintendo Game Boy uh, has re reached 30 years of age. It is 30 years that Nintendo Game Boy has been out. I have to say, ga uh, the Game Boy was never really part of my life. I was. 30 years ago, I was college age in college. And so I was, it, it just came at the wrong time for me to, to get into it. So uh, I have, I have had other games. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about video gaming that we've all experienced. And mine's going to be a little different from yours. I know because <laughs> I, I have, uh, I come from Stone Eyes and Bearskins uh, era in computing, but, uh, and then we could talk about you know, where we are today and where we're going to, to in the future that we think, but my, my gaming starts with, I literally played Pong on a neighbor's television, black and white TV, the whole bloop, 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 you know, and thought it was the most amazing thing. And, you know, uh, I remember ColecoVision and Atari and bugging my parents incessantly to get one and never did. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, my, most of my early video gaming was, in fact, Apple II. I had a Apple IIc uh, we had an Apple IIe first, then we got a 2C, then I had a 2GS later. I was an Apple, I was an Apple II fanboy. I really was, and there were some a lot of fun games, Choplifter and Qbert, and some of those. Which, which when you can find, you can find some of these online now, like in the Internet Archive, uh, and play them again. And it's it's a it's a trip back in time. But wh what about you guys? What, what what is what was your video gaming like? Were you Game Boy uh, owners as a kid, Father Andrew? I'm gonna guess. Since you sent me the link that that you were a Game Boy kid, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like some some of my earliest memories that I have, I was probably I was I was below six years of age because we had the Game Boy before we moved out to the ranch when I was six. But I remember specifically my dad playing Tetris on that Game Boy, and and one one just random thing that always sticks out in my mind is that as a family, Dad made us all give up give up the Game Boy for Lent. And even he, in the middle of Lent, broke down and let us all play it because that was right when the the link cable was was released, and you could connect two Game Boys oh, and nice. play Tetris against each other. <laughs> and like for one day throughout that entire Lent, we got to play Tetris against each other. So, yeah, the Game Boy and Nintendo have been huge in in my family. Uh, we, my older brother and I, uh, bought together a, a friend's Super Nintendo, and and that became kind of a staple thing in our in our household. Uh, another thing that that was interesting as I was thinking about that point in my life was was games were used to to help teach as well. So in school, we I remember playing Oregon Trail on the the oh, school yeah. computers. You died of um, dysentery. You died of dysentery. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I would I would shoot all the buffalo and get way too much food and not be able to take it all in. And but but even like we used Mario teaches typing to learn how to type. Right. And Troggle Trouble Math to to learn math and word problems and and those sorts of things and I and I absolutely love those. In fact, I I still um, I have it on one of my I have a Windows ninety five computer that still works 
wow. and can can play some of these old games on, which is which is just really fun for me. Uh, but yeah, definitely in my family, Nintendo has been been big. Uh, now my dad actually will continue to play Mario Kart Double Dash on the GameCube with us. <laughs> so awesome. even when I go home, even to this day, we will hook up the the Nintendo Wii and we have Mario Kart on it. And we, me and my brother and my dad and my my younger brother will all kind of get together and play. And it's one of the few games that my dad will play with us, which is which is awesome, because rather than being a, an isolation sort of thing, it it's something that brings has always brought my family together. And, you know, we just have a lot of fun with it and, and you know, completely try to try to run each other off the road and, and have a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then the other one in recent years has been uh, the Xbox. And, and I've played I've been a big player of, of Halo. And me and my older brother even now will will connect over Xbox Live because he's up. He's up at home, which is a good four hours drive north of me. And so about every two or three weeks, we'll we'll get together and just kind of play that online. And it ends up being less about the game and more about just our interaction. But we love the game, too. So it's 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 fun. So um, and then I mentioned this actually in an email, I think, Dom, the other week is I'm I'm big into the Pokemon Go on the uh, the iPhone. So I'm big into that community as well. And I play that quite a bit here in Cheyenne. And that that tends to be a lot of fun as well. I'm a big gamer. If you couldn't couldn't already already tell, <laughs> and the uh, Pokemon Go is that you you mentioned that email how it it helps you connect with people as a priest playing yep. Pokemon Go. People see you playing, and it gives you these interactions with people you might not otherwise. They're not going to darken the door of a church necessarily, so they get to see you in a normal situation. And I've actually had people like come to the front of the church and talk to me who aren't aren't religious or aren't Catholic and. Yeah, they they get to see this face of a priest who I'm completely geeking out about this game with them and and they're not they're not scared to even approach the church. In fact, I have a number of them who'll message me on Facebook because there's one of those virtual gyms right outside of the the church. And so they'll they'll communicate with me and 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 yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. But even like I mentioned in the email, there's there's parishioners that are out playing it too. So a lot of them are like, "Oh my gosh, he plays Pokémon Go." And and I had one kid at the youth group uh, the other day, like walk out of the office and and kind of pop his head back in and say, I saw you playing Pokemon Go the other day and then walk out. And like, that was all he said. And (laughs) and it was just, uh, yeah, you know, they're keeping an eye on you. you (laughs) Right, right, right. But, but it's beautiful because it, it makes, it makes me approachable and relatable. And, 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 and I've had some very in-depth conversations with some of them about religion and and Catholicism and particularly from those who aren't religious hardly at all. Um, In fact, I had a a very, very deep kind of conversation about, about just the morality of sexuality with, with, with this couple and they're not religious hardly at all. And I, and I was able to say, well, this, this is our belief and why we believe it. And, and, yeah, it was really interesting just getting into that whole discussion on procreative and unitive aspects of 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 the marital act and why that's why it is why we believe it is what it is and how God created it and and all because you played Pokemon Go. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and whether whether or not, you know, I see the the fruit of of the seed that that maybe I'm planting, I have no idea, but I'm having a lot of fun. They're having a lot of fun. We're having great conversations and, and maybe, you know, God and the Holy Spirit are, are moving, moving hearts through the midst of this, which is, which is pretty darn awesome. Wow. Uh, Thomas, how about you, your gaming experience? Did, were you a gamer? Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds like I fit, I fit right in between the two of you <laughs> where I remember having an Atari and, um, but it was very, very early on. And so, uh, we were early adopters of Nintendo at my house and, um, played Nintendo pretty regularly throughout. But I, I had a different experience in my family. I was the only real gamer. My my family all had, you know, they would play from time to time. My brother was big into sport games, and I never was. But I was into in the RPGs and uh, all of the mainline games that Nintendo would put out. So I've had every Nintendo console up until the the Switch. I haven't gotten a Switch yet, but I don't doubt that it's coming. Uh, <laughs> it's totally so, yeah. worth it. Get one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've been told that from several people too. So uh, we'll we'll have to. My my kids uh my kids have 
have broken discs uh, from playing them so much. Uh, so, you know, Breath of the Wild, we're like hanging right now because we have not finished the game, but the disc <laughs> was broken because it had been taken out and put back in so many times. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, I, I remember having the original Game Boy and that thing was a tank. And I, I don't doubt, I had a student actually bring me one the other day, uh, the gray wow. case. And they were like, this thing still works, Mr. S. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, I, I know it probably does. And we turned it on and yep, it made all the sounds and it played and it, you know, this thing's 30 years old and it's still working, uh, just as well as it did the day that they took it out of the box. So, and I have one of the games, I have a cartridge still that I play on any, any, uh, Game Boy system that I get. They still make them backwards compatible, playing them on those. And my, my big interest is in, the um, I, I did move into a little while for the MMO games, you know, the, the massively multiplayer online games. And I found that, that they were too time consuming for me. So I, I backed off and just as, as a father with as many kids as I have, I can't invest the time I want to in those games. But when I was in college, I was a, a guild leader for one of them. Uh, it was a game called Shadowbane. And I remember sitting on that game and um, it became so much about the connection with people that I wouldn't play. I would just sit on the game and like manage stuff that was going on. And so it was like a, it was almost like a desk job where I would, I would just sit there and like, you know, type messages back and forth to people, organize everything that was going on. And then they would go do a raid and I'd be like, well, I organized that, but I didn't really get to go on that. Raid. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, so, but you know, that's, and I think that's the nature of those kind of games is you get to know people and you, you connect with them in a very different way. And, um, and like you were, you know, like you were saying, father, it's, it's, the conversations come up naturally when you mention something about yourself personal and especially when it's about religion those conversations come up in the, the private messages or just on the group boards or on the forum and it's a great moment to be able to step out and you know really embrace your faith and say you know uh this is what i believe and why i believe it and just leave it at that you know you don't have to berate them for anything that they're doing you, you, they, all they want to know is what you actually think because for them, looking at us from the outside, we can be the anomaly. We can be the weird ones. And uh, just to explain it simply and straightforward, in my understanding, is probably the best thing you can do. Well, and it, it, it helps, first of all, it helps to, you already have those established relationships. And so there's already a dialogue of, of trust happening. Right. And then and then the other thing is, is like what, what I do with, with the Pokemon Go communities, I'm not out there to to convert everyone that I'm encountering. I'm out there to play Pokemon Go and I'm exactly. going to share my faith <laughs> as well. So there's not this I'm not pressuring pressuring anyone to to stop and listen to me talk. I'm just being myself and through that witness can can draw people into that conversation and and reflect and 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 everything. And so people are way more receptive to that especially after interacting with me, you know, through a number of months and know that I'm an approachable guy and, and they're willing to listen to me, but I'm not forcing it upon them. Right. You're not a Christian salesman. You're not out there to make, to make sales and to gather leads. <laughs> Christian right. is, is, is what I am. It's not what I do for a living, even though I think we're all of us, I, so that's sort I, of what we do for a living. I do, I do get paid for this, but <laughs> right. it's my vocation, not my, not my career. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's the, but, but Christian is fundamentally just who we are and we, right. we, we carry that with us where we go. You know, to talk about that, the community aspect of it. I mean, again, I'm going to be the old man, but way back in the day, do you remember CompuServe? So. Oh yeah. It was sort <laughs> of, CompuServe. it was like AOL, but less graphical. So I was on CompuServe for, for ages back in the 90s, and there was a Mac gaming community there. And within the gaming community, there was a flight, flight sim club. And I was big into flight sims then. Uh, I even had the, the joysticks and the stuff. And the, there was uh, we all of us, we, uh, we played uh, this group. And we, had, we even had a virtual squadron, and uh, people had call signs. We had patches. And it was this amazing opportunity to... To, to get to know people for, for the for people we got to know each other's lives it was what there was a retired f4 phantom pilot from it was a Vietnam era, war era pilot it was, these were real connections with people that we were making yeah. real people that we knew and that we we could bond with in many ways and I'd love to uh, that all kind of fell apart as copy store fell apart so I don't know whatever happened to all these folks but I would love to run into them someday. They're probably still on IR, IRC channels. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Connecting that way. I know. <laughs> but gaming is not just this 
lonely uh, pursuit that it it can be. I don't want to downplay mm-hmm. that. It can be a sort of lonely, addictive pursuit that that eats up your hours. But it can also be uh, a very social thing as long as you keep it within the right bounds, the right priority within your life. So we've gone from these consoles, we've had PC gaming. Back in the day, I was huge into um, Marathon, which is a precursor to Halo. Precursor to Halo. Oh, yeah. you know, I was, I spent, uh, that's one where I spent too much time playing Marathon uh, when I was should have been studying for finals when I was at Steubenville. Uh, but then we got, we got these dedicated portables like the Game Boy, but also like we have today, the Switch. And then we had smartphones, and smartphone gaming is big. Smartphone and tablet, I kind of lumped those together. And so now we're we're entering this sort of this new era where we have ca- these casual games that you buy on an app store, so it's all delivered digitally. We download it, uh, and then and then we have subscriptions and all this new stuff coming. We talked about some of these recently, but. Uh, so we have Steam's been around for a while, and so you can you can buy a, a game, you can you know download it to your computer and play it on all your connected computers. But now we've got these uh, new things coming as well, and so I just want to kind of talk about where you see gaming going from today uh, into the future. Thomas, so let's start with you. Like, what do you think? Where are we going, and what are we? What should we expect from gaming? What what we need to be uh, concerned about, even? I I'm super excited about it. I think that um, I've been really concerned about the ownership of games a lot lately, and uh, and I think that some of the things that are coming out are really helping allay that fear because games are becoming more more and more of a collective thing and less of a you own this individual copy of the game, and they're they're intended to be played together, like Pokemon Go or uh, a, a lot of the other uh, AR games that are coming out. And um, I, I like that concept. I like the concept that the game is about the experience, not so much about the game itself. And um, I, I'm looking forward to things like Stadia, you know, Google's new uh, system of uh, kind of renting games, for lack of a better term, because I think it really captures the moment of where we're going, where it's not that you need to own a, a DRM-free copy of the game for yourself, but that you're going to be playing this game with other people. So you really should be able to, you know, check into it as many as often as you need to, or as as much as you can afford to, and and play it that way. Right, without without worrying too much about because apparently with Stadia, you're not going to need to worry about you know having a high end gaming system and right. all these other things. You know, Google claims that you'll be able, you know, that ninety percent of the U.S is going to have high enough speed internet to to be able to to play any game at the pr- proper speed without having to have ha- high end hardware which is one of the things that's kind of held a lot, some people back is the the mm-hmm. technical demands uh now 90% of the US is a lot but but father andrew I, I bet that you might have some concerns in that area with with the, the uh, ability to do cloud based streaming up there in Wyoming well and i think that's my my uh, hesitation about stadia is is that like i said my my parents finally got enough of a high-speed connection to even stream movies and for the longest time when i was a kid growing up we had we had dial-up and then from there we had the only option on the ranch was was satellite based internet which inherently had a download limit and it had a, a lag time and so I thought I could play Halo on that. You absolutely cannot play <laughs> Halo on satellite. And and so there, there's an initial re, uh, resistance in me to that sort of gaming. I I prefer the idea of a of a downloaded copy. So I, I think it it has to go towards just everything is going towards a subscription based sort of service. And I'm still not sure exactly how I feel about that. I, I and, and maybe I, I feel a bit more like I own the game or I want to own the game in, in a way that I don't want to own movies or TV shows. And I'm willing to pay a subscription for them versus I I have all my save data for Pokemon Go. Sure, it's up in the cloud somewhere, but like I, I almost feel that I own it and, and I don't want I don't want to necessarily pay for a subscription. Because then what happens if you quit paying for it? Do I stop owning my little my little world that I've created? Uh, so, so I'm still kind of struggling, I think, with, with that whole concept in gaming. I, I can get it totally for, for TV and movies. 
not sure about about gaming and i i sort of suspect i'm probably going to be more inclined towards the apple arcade downloadable games versus google stadia and uh, yeah and and i'm all, i'm also just the type that i'm i'm a bit of a brand loyal loyalist and so i'm going to always go back to the nintendo and the xbox and until those things jump into Apple, which I know Nintendo has done a few things, but their main main games are not available on any other platform. I'm probably going to stick with that and and probably not initially spend money on Stadia or or the Apple Arcade. But I don't know. I'll, I'll see where it goes come this fall, but I'll, I'll give it some time to, to mature before I necessarily spend any money on it. How about you, Thomas? Where do you think with with this going here? You know, how how do you feel about this movement in the in gaming toward subscriptions and less? Like you kind of said that that getting past the having to own it is 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 better, but um, but there is this danger that if you don't own a disc that you can put into a machine, uh, that if you're not constantly in, in one way feeding the arcade with quarters like right. I used to do that your ability to play the game goes away and all that money you spent is gone. I've, I've actually had experience with that. Um, I am a, uh, I am a recovering world of Warcraft addict. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so every once in a while I will be offered a deal and I will take the deal and I will go back and my information will still be there. Uh, and there have been gaps of a couple of years at times where I'm just not playing. I'm not interested in paying for it and I'm not playing it and then I'll go back and oh there I am still all of the same characters that I had uh before and and the advantage there for the companies is that it doesn't cost them anything to save the data um you know they're going to house so much data anyway and it's just a bunch of bits it's maybe a few megabytes worth of information out of all of the storage space they possibly have to be able to give that experience to the user when they come back they don't have to start completely over again that a lot of times I think it's worthwhile for them to do that. And um, no, that's been my experience. Now, it's been a couple of years since I've gone back to World of Warcraft and a lot of things have changed. So I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that my data is probably no good anymore. But uh, for the couple of times that I have, I've, I've even uh, at one point I quit for about a year and a half. And um, when I came back, I was still uh, friends with a bunch of the people that were still playing. And they're like, oh, hey, you're back. And they invited <laughs> me to join them on all the stuff that they were doing. And they were ridiculously far ahead of me and everything, but it was it was neat to have those friends that I could reconnect with in that way. Speaking of World of Warcraft, I happen to know a Catholic bishop who is a big World of Warcraft player, uh, and in fact, his oh, character really? <laughs> is uh, I'm not I'm not up on all, all the latest uh, World of Warcraft, but a panda, uh, yeah, is a yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so his character is a panda. So I don't know if he still plays. He was playing before he was uh, ordained, ordained a bishop, so maybe he doesn't have time for that uh, anymore. But uh, <laughs> a lot of fun, a lot of fun. This, the, the, as our generations rise up, we are we grew up gamers. We'll have bishops and someday a pope, perhaps, who used to play World of Warcraft as a kid or something. Uh, that would yeah. that'll be an interesting times we're going to live in. What is your guys's uh, opinion about the future in terms of AR versus VR? Oh yeah, my my thought about this is that VR for the for the short and medium term at least is going to be too bulky to to really be the experience that people expect it to be. It's not going to be Ready Player One, and even Ready Player One Darn sort it. of yeah, I mean, <laughs> because because the even with even if you have like a portable um, glasses goggles, the VR goggles. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do the walking and the touching and the feeling and and have that fully immersive experience not for a long time to come. I mean that's just so the tech for that is so far out. But even now in the short term, the goggles themselves. I mean I love some of this. I I'd love to try these. Uh, was it Immersion Labs has the Star Trek, uh, Star Wars VR uh, immersive VR where you're you're on Mustafar and it's blowing hot air in your face and all that sort of stuff. I'd love to, to go to one of those VR experiences, but I don't see that coming to really in the home at a consumer level uh, anytime soon. But AR, AR seems to be much more where, even AR glasses 
where you don't have to recreate the world. You just overlay on the world that exists. I see I see that being much more uh, much more possibility in that. And and I think companies like Apple has clearly put its money on AR versus VR. Uh, so what do you think? What do you think about about that? You know, I, I, I think that um, AR has been here and um, I, I've been a huge proponent of AR for ages because I, it, it was the way forward. It was the only way that we were really going to make things reasonable. And I'm a, I'm a total nerd. And so like, like, you know, I've been, I've been to a couple of the VR experiences. My favorite was probably uh, the mech warrior uh, oh. game that they had in arcades. And you got to actually sit in a mech warrior cockpit and that thing rocked around while you were playing. It had switches all over the place. Oh. If you want to switch weapons, you had to reach up and flip a switch and you had, it was phenomenal. Was I would love that. System. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I mean, that's, that's where VR is really going to work is something like that. But AR is already here. And, um, you know, I go, I go back to the tabletop gaming all the time with this. Um, we use AR at the tabletop games all the time where we'll have projected maps or we'll have, you know, a person Skyping in to play with us or the, the game master, We'll have the whole player's handbook ready for them on an iPad, you know, ready to use. So it's it's already something that we're doing. We're already doing augmented reality. We don't call it that because we don't, you know, we're, we're thinking of like uh, visual representations in the real world. But we're not, uh, that's not the limit of what AR is. AR also is all of this other stuff that we're doing that we would normally have had to have a whole library for. Now we just have you know, this one small device that can work. I don't even bring my books with me anymore. I just have my phone with the uh, with the apps on it, and that's that's all I use for rules referencing because it's faster, you know, and, and it's it's more more convenient. It's faster, so there's no way I wouldn't do it. And um, so yeah, I mean, AR is already here and really really strong, and and games like Pokemon Go are just you know the example of like of like the really cool things we could do with it. And I think that we need to do more of those things. Uh, and I'm hoping that they're going to start getting more prevalent and a lot better and and i, and I like the, the the entry level for pokemon go it's an easy game it's a it's something that's not hard to get into it doesn't demand a lot of time it doesn't demand a lot of uh effort so it's something that you can you can invest in without having to be a really really serious game there's grandmas and grandpas that are playing it with their grandchildren yeah it's exactly. pretty awesome so great so father what do you think for ar versus vr I, I think I would definitely totally agree with both of you that I think AR is, is definitely the, the more prevalent thing as we go forward. I'm I'm incredibly tempted with VR, though, with uh, the recent announcement of the uh, Vader Immortal right. coming to uh, the uh, Oculus, uh, Oculus Quest, I think. So I'm, I'm unsure whether or not I'm going to just jump on board with that and get it. But but still, I think there's there's it, there's problems with it that. And I think for me that the biggest problem would be the the social interaction that that I've watched people play VR. I was at a, a Comic Con last month in Chicago and and they had a whole kind of, you know, lineup of, of computers and different video games to play. And so the some of them were people with the headsets. And to be quite honest with you, it is not very fun at all to watch someone else play a VR game. Right. <laughs> It looks so <laughs> right, right. And and versus if you're going to join together and play an AR game together, everyone is participating. Everyone can can, you know, share equally in that experience. And so from a from a social aspect, VR seems to me seems to me to be a lot more individual. And I need my own personal space and nobody else interacting with me as I'm you know going to move around and use this VR headset versus Versus AR, where I'm out in the community and joining up with other people and and doing those sorts of things. So I I definitely would echo what you guys are, have already said. I, I think AR is is where it's at and where it's going. And I am very very interested to see what Niantic does, the the company that made Pokemon Go. They are investing heavily in this and are coming up with some pretty amazing things. And just using the the new cameras on the the Androids and the iPhones. And being able to project these virtual monsters on a physical space and and lock them into a physical space is pretty impressive. So I, I think there's a lot of that's that's where the potential is. That's where everything is currently going. Yeah, I mean, if Pokemon Go is big, wait till they come up come out with the Harry Potter 
game. Right. That's people right. Go I'm, nuts for yeah, that. I'm I'm into it as well. So. <laughs> it's being so, beta tested in New Zealand right now. So oh, yeah. boy. it's it's coming. Harry Potter in Middle Earth. That just seems <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so let's uh, we'll we'll be coming back to the topic of gaming for sure. I mean, we're all a bunch of gamers here, so that's that's definitely uh, on the on the topic in the future. That's for sure. So let's but let's move on to our picks of the week, our our, our final segment. And Thomas, I'm going to give you the first the first uh, pick. What what is it you're picking this week? All right. So since we were going so heavily game themed, I decided I wanted to go with like the most indie game there possibly is. It has a production company of one. Uh, <laughs> it is a game called Dwarf Fortress. Um, it's made by uh, this guy named Tarn Adams, and it is the most brutal roguelike game uh, you will play. Uh, the running joke is that you're not really playing it unless you have fun with an exclamation point. And by fun, they mean terrible things happening in the game. Uh, <laughs> the The entire purpose is to lose as spectacularly as you can. So... Uh, the principle of it is that you start off with a group of seven dwarfs and you have to create a colony for these dwarfs to live in and make life work. And that's it. That's all you know. And and there's no tutorial. There's no here's how you do things. Nothing. You just have to learn the game kind of as you go. And you, you, you fail and 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 you just keep failing until you learn the next thing that's going to make you live. And then something comes in and kills you. <laughs> <laughs> and it just keeps happening over and over again. And you, you, you go to read the website, naturally. You go to read, like, the wiki that they have and everything. But uh, the wiki has spoilers in it where it's like, don't read past this point if you don't want to ruin parts of the game for yourself. And so then you'll you'll go and you'll you'll do whatever it was saying to do. And then you'll fail miserably. And you'll be like, what did I do wrong? You go back and read the spoiler. And it's like, oh, that was supposed to happen. I just didn't realize it. <laughs> and, <laughs> And um, it's a, but it's it's really a great game. Uh, it used to be just uh, an ASCII game where it's, where you had little characters moving around on the screen, but it was recently just released on Steam uh, with a graphics pack. Uh, uh, Tarn's been having some uh, issues in in his uh, family life that he needed to get a little bit more income for it, and uh, so he decided to partner with the company and they they released it on Steam. I definitely recommend it, but it is not for anyone who would like a casual. Uh, gaming experience that isn't going to frustrate the heck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I'm a big uh, fan of a Civilization series, so that sort of simulation game. So that might be, it might be some yep. issue, but I, I'm, I have to weigh whether I want to get deep into a game. Yeah, uh, like that. Yeah, give it a shot though. It's it's really cool because you don't control the dwarves. You just kind of give them a general idea of what to do, and then their AI takes over, and um. The decisions that they make sometimes that you, you really it, it uh, boggles the mind, <laughs> uh, and they and they like just for example they give birth uh, every once in a while they will that you'll have one dwarf that gets pregnant she'll give birth she'll be in the middle of working on something and she'll just strap the baby to her back and keep going or she'll lose the baby and stop whatever she was doing to try and find the baby <laughs> and that can be devastating at times if she's like carrying a really important item and she just drops it wherever it is and. Um, then it rolls down the stairs and you've lost it permanently. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, Father Andrew, what's your pick this week? So my pick is also um, a more or less version of a game. Uh, there, it's a, I, the recommendation, the pick, is, is a company called Six to Start. They're an indie game developer based out of London, and so they are the creators of an app called Zombies Run. And so a lot of people may have heard this, that it was a Kickstarter project originally. But what it is, is it's a it's a game that you download on your phone and then you can go for a run with it or go for a walk with it. But what it does is it narrates a story to you as if you are part of the story. So it is incredibly immersive and they, they have such ingenious storytelling uh, methods to to refer to you as runner five and keep you involved in the conversation. And they basically tell the story to you as they're talking to each other. And so you're part of, you know, surviving the zombie apocalypse and you're going on these missions where you have to go run and, and save people. And, and it is just incredibly fun. And I have used it as a way in my own training because I've run a number of half marathons. And so it's been part of the reason why I enjoy running a little bit more than maybe I would have otherwise. And so it's just 
it's a really fun, fun way to, to use it to, to get in shape or even just go for a walk. But one of the other really cool things that they have done is they've also developed virtual races. And so they've developed another app called Race Link. And so they that Race Link app will host other virtual races. And so they are genuine 5Ks or 10Ks with different themes. For example, they one of them, you, you run through the solar system. One, you run to the tallest mountain on Mars. One, you escape a volcanic eruption. And so, again, it like narrates to you the story as you go through it. But what's phenomenal about these particular things is that the narrate the narration comes to you at specific distance intervals. So it's using your own phone's GPS system to figure out if you've run half a kilometer and then the next incoming transmission happens. And so when you're done with this virtual race, the app will actually record your time and submit it to an online leaderboard where you can see where you rank with all the other people from throughout the entire world. So it's a it's very much an augmented reality game, but it's also just a fun way to to get out there and get walking or get out there and get running and get in better better shape physically as well. So that would be my pick of the week and I think it's absolutely fun. Well, my pick is a a family product. You've probably heard of it, but in case you haven't it it's the Tile app series of products, and they have several different tiles. And these are stuff trackers. <laughs> so we, we, we all know about Find My Phone, which is uh, Apple has it on the iPhone and the iPad, where if you leave your phone somewhere, you can look it up on, a, on, a, on an app or a web page, and you can, it'll tell you where your phone is. Uh, and we have Find My Friends, where we could find uh, the people in our lives, that sort of thing. And I, I lose a lot more things than just my phone. <laughs> I'm constantly losing things. And so the tile system, and there are a couple other products like it, but tiles one I, I, I connected to, and I think it's the biggest one. They have a, a, a series of different, uh, these little, very thin, very small, like, like one inch square, couple inch square, maybe, maybe a quarter inch thick on some of them. And, and one's the slim is even thinner uh, that are trackers that are, that, you have an app on your phone, you're looking for your car keys, and it has the, the, the tile on it, and you, you, you hit the button, and you'll hear it beeping, and it will lead you to it. Now, it won't show it. Uh, it it'll show it on a map if it's if, if it's out of the house, and that's a separate thing I'll, I'll address in a second, but but it'll beep it, and you'll follow it around, and you're getting closer, and you get to it, and there it is, and you, and you found your keys. I have one in my Kindle because Amazon has not yet put a Find My Kindle feature in their Kindles. Why? Why have you not done this yet, Amazon? We need to. Oh, there are three Kindles in my house: mine, my wife's, and my daughter's. And we're all constantly going. Have you seen my Kindle? Have you seen my Kindle? I don't do this anymore because I have a tracker on on my Kindle, <laughs> and I put one in my daughter's as well. So uh, I have one in my wallet. They have the slim is very thin, and it slides right in my wallet. I have one attached to my backpack, my hiking backpack. And one of the things it does is because it's Bluetooth. When you install the app on your phone, you allow them with your with your personal information stripped out, allow them to track all the tiles it sees within range and send that location data to them with you. But your your information is stripped out, so they're not tracking you per se. Uh, but it it says that if I drop my keys somewhere, say, in the city of Boston, some other tile user will walk by it and it will ping their phone and the phone will say, hey, I, f I saw this tile uh, in this location. So when I'm looking for it, it'll say, oh, your tile was seen at this place in, in Boston. So it's really huh. great. They, they last, most of them are uh, single, the, the single-use battery, which lasts about a year. And they, get, they have a deal where you can replace them for pretty cheap. Uh, they also have one that's a little more expensive, but it has a replaceable watch-style battery in it. So that's, that's a little bit of a better deal. Um, so I, I've been using them uh, now. I, I have to say I've seen rumors that Apple is going going to be coming out with its own type of device like this that is has even more functionality. So if you're an Apple user and you know uh, and you and you want to wait, Lord knows it might be another Air Power never come out. <laughs> but but if 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 you want something now, this might be the thing for you. I've uh, I've got. A whole bunch of them. I've had them for more than a year, so I've reached that point where I'm starting to replace them. Uh, the replacement is really easy. Um, it's just it's 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 a real it's a, it's a real helpful tool. 
And what I've done is I've used the service called camelcamelcamel.com to it's a price watching service for Amazon. So I I put the tile products that are on Amazon in Camel 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 and say when they reach when they fall below this price because Amazon's prices are always changing. It's that algorithm again. Uh, let me know and uh, and then I pick up pick another one up from them and put it on yet another thing. My keys, my wife's keys, uh, you know, my my wallet, my bag. I have several bags now with it in it. Uh, so uh, so I want to recommend. So it's uh it's a Tile Mate. They have the Mate Tile Mate Pro and Slim. Those are the the trackers. So uh, we'll have links to all of those in the show notes today. So that's it from us. Uh, we've kind of uh, run through our time. Uh, before we finish, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology. Today, we're thanking by name Anusha M., Nate F., Mardell B., Felix L., and Claudia S. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows we do at StarQuest. You could join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion, our discussion of the evolution of gaming, our discussion of the recommendation bubble, or any of our picks? Uh, Let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Leave us some feedback there, or you can send us an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find all the relevant links from our discussion on our show notes at sqpn.com. And if you have not yet done so, if you're listening to this, say, on our website or something like that, be sure to subscribe to the show in on iTunes, in Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube, where you could hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Thomas and Herho, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks for having me. Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you as well. Absolutely. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.